0: Welcome to episode 39 of the Radical Simple Living podcast. It's been a little while since I've been with you. I think about 10 days since the last podcast for the simple reason that I have been busy. It is um, it's summer here. It's at the moment at time recording. I don't know when you're listening to it, but it's summer here in southern Sweden at the moment. The weather hasn't been good. We started off the summer with virtually no rain whatsoever through May and most of June and July it has been raining but it hasn't really rained enough to make up for that deficit. So in my garden apart from those crops that I can water fairly regularly growth is slow and it's not so wonderful. Uh, As well as that I've been doing a lot of work on stacking wood ready for next winter and i started on canning started on canning some of the produce for use over winter and the next few weeks we follow canning and pickling and drying and all sorts of things to help make the food supply in winter uh, a little bit less reliant on the shops and a little bit more reliant on what i grow myself here no more problem from badgers for those of you wondering the badgers are keeping to the woods, uh, where they are delightful and wonderful, and I hope they stay there. Uh, Slugs are a bit of an issue, as they are for lots of you I know. Some people say they don't get slugs in their garden, and the first two years I was here, I don't think I saw one, but after that, the word got around in the slug community that I was growing lots of vegetables, and since then they have been piling in and doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't. Now, I want to talk today about something which is really at the core of simple living. Okay, simple living has a lot to do with growing your own food, making things that you need, repairing things yourself, deciding ways that you can make do without having to pay somebody to do for you. And uh, that's the philosophy I basically follow, that the less money you spend... The less money you need to live on, and the less money you need to live on, the easier your life becomes. When I say easy, it doesn't mean it's not a hard job being as self-sufficient as you can, but uh, there are great rewards to that self-sufficiency, and those rewards are good and rich. Hard work gets good results. But another very important aspect of simple living is to look after the things you've got. One of the things about modern life, which is perhaps most regrettable, is its disposable nature. People buy things with the idea that, oh, I'll I'll use this for a couple of years and then it'll break down and I'll throw it away and get another one. And of course, this is a joy to manufacturing industry because it means that your fancy tin opener uh, will run for a couple of years and then will break and then you'll be rushing back to buy another one. And, like it or not, a lot of manufacturers make things very difficult to repair yourself. And that's getting worse. One of the reasons it's getting worse is once upon a time to mend something like a washing machine, all you needed is maybe some sort of idea of what the problem was, a screwdriver, a spanner, a bucket of mop in case it went wrong, and you could set to work and see what you could do. It was fairly easy to get spare parts, I'm talking maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago and longer. And given those spare parts, you could, with a reasonable amount of competence, you could repair your washing machine. Now things are different because your washing machine has probably got a computer console in it. It is probably got a little bit of electronic circuitry on a board and if something goes wrong with it, you get a code number coming up And the only way you can solve that code number usually is for somebody to come with a computer, laptop, and plug it into your washing machine and say, oh, I see what the problem is here. And then they'll probably rip out a bit of electronics and replace it, send you the bill, and you're left not really knowing what went wrong with your washing machine, if you did anything wrong or if it just happened. You have no better idea of what to do next time than to call the person in again to see if they can repair it again and face another bill. And the manufacturer knows that after receiving two or three of these bills, you're going to come to the conclusion it's a lot easier to dump your washing machine and buy a new one. And that, okay, is great news for washing machine manufacturers, but it's wrecking the planet. If you take a, a trip to your town dump, um town dumps are usually recycling sites so all of us need to visit them occasionally you will see piled up washing machines and by the look most of them aren't more than about four or five years old they've gone wrong and people have simply replaced them because it's too much trouble to repair them Now this is bad news, it's bad news for the planet, it's bad news for your pocket, it's bad news for those people that used to exist by selling um, uh, repair supplies for washing machines or those small operators that used to offer a very good service of coming round and repairing any brand of washing machine. It's now high tech and high tech is bad news because we can't look after it properly. One of the ways you can look after your washing machine, of course, is by reading the instruction booklet. Now, if you're anything like me, instruction booklets are often left behind in the box when you've put the washing machine in place and plumbed it in and you then fold them away and never even look at them. But if you do read your instruction booklet, it will have something about care of your washing machine it will tell you what the maximum load is it will tell you how to run it it will tell you simple cleaning things you can do it will give you all kinds of advice that could help keep your washing machine running longer and that's what we want to talk about today we want to talk about how to look after things as a way of extending their lives as a way of making sure we don't have to throw things away and buy new things because if we want to escape the rat race the rat race can become a conveyor belt of replacing your appliances and as most appliances most household appliances tend to have a lifespan about five years if you've ever moved into a new house and bought all new appliances you can look forward to every five years all of them going wrong together and having to replace them so looking after things helps It's not just electrical appliances, it's other things like phones, for instance, mobile phones, cell phones, if you're in the States. Um, I'm I'm not proud of this, but I will mention it. I have never, ever, well, I say never, ever, once in about 1980, have I had a new cell phone. I've always used a cell phone that has belonged to another family member. And they've, you know, chosen to update or been given the opportunity and I've managed to be passed it on. And that does me fine because I work around the house. I don't actually need a cell phone for anything other than making the occasional phone call. And uh, if I'm working way up the garden, it can alert me if somebody's trying to contact me. But I never buy a new one. I always have old ones and I try to look after them. I try when I get some cell phone that somebody else has been using for some years, I try to make sure that I get a, not a fancy case, but a protective case. I work in the garden a lot. That means there's a chance that the case will get wet. There's a chance that dust and whatever will get into the sockets. And so I need a sort of case that covers up the sockets and keeps the screen clear. And it's waterproof. And that way... I can get my phone for working for five, six, seven, eight, maybe nine years. And by that time, somebody else has got one they don't want and they can pass on to me. Saves me a lot of money over time. So looking after big appliances and looking after little appliances is is a good thing to do. I say that because I'm talking on, at the moment, an ancient Chromebook, which is the most irritating device known to mankind. I don't know if any of you this is an akka chromebook sorry the people at akka but it is the most useless device i've ever had but i've learned to live with it i've learned to put up with it i look after it it's been going now for about a decade and i hope to get another decade's use out of it before it finally goes and i will learn my lessons and i won't be buying a chromebook again that's for sure um but Looking after it, keeping it dry, keeping it charged up properly, keeping it out the way of accidents and out the way of children when they were younger. Those are important things to do and it can last a lot longer and save a lot of money. When the time comes when I have to replace it, I will be going for a reconditioned laptop. I will be going for a a pre-loved laptop that somebody, a professional, has looked over and made sure that it's working properly and done any maintenance on it. And that will be the one that I buy. I won't be going to the store and buying a new one. That's the kind of person I am. A, because I'm a bit stingy, I guess. And B, because I can't afford to go out and spend money on a new one. Looking after things. Looking after furniture is important. Now, again, 90% of the furniture in my house is uh, secondhand. If it's not second-hand, it's been bought a very long time ago and it's been looked after. My armchair and sofa are at least 35 years old and they're going well and I look after them and that's fine. Uh, Obviously, this isn't going to work if you want to change your furniture every time you change your room. You know, I'm fed up with this, so, well, you know, you choose carefully, you don't get fed up. That's the way to save money. If you do buy furniture, buy wooden furniture. Buy it second hand if you can. A, it's going to be better built than some of the uh, MDF stuff that you're going to buy nowadays. It will last longer. And chances are, if it's old furniture, you can buy it and you can tell if you read. You can fall in love with a piece of furniture. You can say, Ah, that table is the table I want. You can look around a lot. You can bring it home, and then you've got to look after it because wood will last your lifetime if you look after it if you don't put hot pans on it and burn the surface if you regularly wash it with soap if you regularly wax it if you regularly you know make sure that if spills are mopped up right away your table will last forever it might have the old if it's a kitchen table and you've got lots of children and people eat around it and work at it and spend a lot of their time just sitting, doing things on it. It will get damaged. But if it's a real wood table, guess what? You can, you can sand down the surface occasionally. You can do all sorts of things to it to make it look good again. And then you can repolish it. You can do all sorts of clever things to get just the look to that that you want. But looking after it pays big dividends. Other furniture, chairs wardrobes, cabinets, bedside cabinets, bureaus, chest of drawers, all of these things, if you buy them in wood, if you wax them or oil them according to your taste, they will last you for years. And if you've got a wooden chest of drawers and the drawers start sticking, you can take the drawer out and do something about it. If it's an MDF drawer and you've pulled it out a few times, the MDF will start to crumble and you'll end up having to take it to the dump and you're going to have to buy a new one. So looking after furniture helps. Clothing. Looking after clothing helps. The main, the main reason people throw clothing away is either because it's gone out of fashion, what they're wearing. Or because they've changed size. They've gone down in size. Or I'm afraid more likely they've gone up in size. And they have to get rid of their clothing. And if you get rid of clothing, get rid of it to a charity. Either so it can be sold for money for the charity and somebody can get some use out of it or if it's passed up because the fibers can be extracted and recycled from it but if you look after your clothing it will last a lot longer and one of the things you can do one of the things that you know i've made the difference a lot of times between simplicity and minimalism and a minimalist will have their house and they will have two pairs of trousers and three shirts or something like that i don't i have more than that because i buy it second hand and uh i like to rotate my clothing so it doesn't get worn too much if it goes in the wash, if you've got three shirts and they're always in the wash they won't last long if you've got 10 shirts and there's some in the wash and some in the cupboard and some on your back they're going to last a lot longer Natural fibres look good as they get older. You know, who wants to go around wearing a brand new look pair of jeans? That sort of dark, people do, that dark blue colour with all the copper rivets all coppery coloured and they're so stiff that you have to walk like you're a sort of artificial intelligence person. Most people like their jeans when they're a bit worn, they're a bit faded, the colour are shed. That's why we love them so much. Cotton, wool, linen cloth, our cloth. The more you wash it, the nicer it gets. But wash it carefully. Choose your colours to wash together carefully. Don't wash your blue jeans and your black jeans. That's terrible. Have a you know have an appropriate colour wash. Look after it. If it needs repairing, repair it. Stitch in time saves nine, as my mother used to say. It really does. If you look at your things when you're caring for them and you notice little holes are coming, stitch them up. And you can stitch up in all sorts of ways. If You, you may not be wonderful at needlework, I don't claim to be. I can sew a seam, I can sew on buttons, I can darn, I can repair. I can't make anything. I, that's just beyond me. I have great admiration for people that can, but I'm not one of them. By repairing your clothes, you extend their life and that might include patching occasionally, uh, that might include little repairs, and you can you can do repairs in two ways. You can either try and make your repair look invisible by carefully choosing the right colour thread to make your repair with, or you can say, right, I'm going to repair all my uh, all my things in bright red thread because I've got a big spool of bright red thread cheaply, and that's what I do to my jeans if I need to repair them there blue jeans I repair them with red thread and if they look repaired I don't care if somebody says hey that man over there has repaired his jeans I'm proud of that I don't need to worry about it I don't have any uh, status attached to not wearing repaired jeans I don't mind same goes with shirts same goes with sweaters you can darn them you can repair them Obviously you might want to keep your best things when you have to go out in public, when you're working around the house, when you're relaxing at home, when you're working in the garden or on the farm. You wear what you want to wear and if it's old and worn, then it's old and worn. Nothing to be ashamed of in that. So looking after your clothing is good, looking after shoes is important. Now, you will obviously make some sort of moral decision as whether you want to wear leather shoes or whether you want to wear synthetic shoes. It's a bit of a minefield, to be honest. You might choose to wear synthetic shoes because you don't want to use animal products. But then you're faced with a bit of a moral dilemma because those synthetic shoes uh, may take thousands of years to break down in the soil. They may be there for your distant relatives to dig up in archaeology digs at some point in the future if you wear leather shoes the leather will break down in about a hundred years and will be gone and it will break down into fairly natural components too so i'm not going to tell you what decisions to make on that front you make your own but decide what what is environmentally sustainable and what is going to be long lasting and then you've got to take care of your shoes now that might mean if they're leather shoes dubbing if they're um Canvas shoes occasionally you know using one of those canvas shoe cleaners on them but whatever you do do it and make sure you're looking after them do find a good shoe repairer in uk they're called cobblers um i know a cobbler is something you eat in some parts of the world but in in the uk a cobbler is someone who will repair your shoes if you can find a good cobbler close to you if you have a comfortable pair of shoes and they need repairing you will find that they have a multitude of ways of repairing shoes and making them last a lot longer, and usually that's fairly cheap. It's one of those things in Sweden, because it's encouraged for people to repair, that you actually get a little tax rebate if you go and uh, get your shoes repaired. It doesn't add up to much, but it's some of the labour costs you get back as a way of encouraging people to repair shoes rather than throw them away. Shoes can last a long time, I'm wearing a pair of, oh, must be 25, maybe 27-year-old uh, boots today. They are disintegrating. Not the soles and not the tops, but the stitching has gone and it has been repaired. And now the leather is tearing where the stitching goes. So they're probably going to not be much use in the future. But, you know, there there we go. They've served me well. Um, I'm happy with them. Now... As well as looking after things, we've also got to look after plants in our garden. We've got to make sure that if we have long-term plants, that we look after them. I've had to rationalise my watering this year, and I've discovered I can't water everything, so I've had to look after those plants which have some perennial nature. Fruit trees that I've made an investment in, fruit bushes flowering shrubs, uh, long-term herbs that are growing in the garden, uh, perennial vegetables. Those are the ones that always get looked after better because if a whole row of turnip seedlings go, it can't be helped. But if your apple trees die, then you've got major problems. So look after your plants carefully. Houseplants included. If you've got houseplants... Find out how to look after them. Do your best. And if you fail miserably year after year, maybe houseplants aren't for you. Maybe your house is too cold in winter. Maybe your house is too hot. Maybe your house is too dry. Maybe you just don't water them enough. Maybe you don't repot them enough. But, you know, after a time, just think, well, this isn't working for me. Let's stop the process. Animals need to be looked after. Now, some of you listeners out there have uh, animals that you, you, you keep for food. You might keep them for milk production. You might keep them for egg production and meat production. You know the importance of looking after them, of giving them a good life and making sure that they don't suffer in any part of the process you're operating. Those of us that keep pet animals have a real duty to make sure their needs come first. When you get up in the morning, look after your pets first unless you've got a young baby who obviously isn't going to allow you to do that but they can't get their own food they can't look after themselves in a way that you know you have a duty of responsibility to make sure you look after them really well and that doesn't mean mollycoddling them that doesn't mean keeping your cat at home sitting on a silken cushion and occasionally feeding them morsels of smoked salmon or something it means let your pet live a good happy life the kind of life that they would want but make sure you're there to look after them wherever you can now you also have to look after your family you have to look after your children you have to look after your partner if you have one you have to look after yourself and i get to tell you a little story of something that happened to me not long ago about eight days ago one of my cats went missing Now, I've got four cats, and three of them do go missing on occasions. One of them got locked in the cellar this week, and one of them went on a three-day expedition. But one of the cats I've got, whose name is Ruskin, is a very good, kind cat. All the other cats love him, all the humans in the house love him because he's so good. He likes to live outside. He spends most of his time in summer outside and most of his time in winter inside lying by the fire. And occasionally getting up to do those things that cats do. But he went missing. And he'd been missing for about three days. And I was looking everywhere for him. And then on one day we had a bit of a, an incredible wind and torrential rain. It was one of the two real rainstorms we've had this year. And he normally comes rushing home. If a drop of rain falls from the sky, he comes rushing home and this time he didn't and the rain was strong And cats also don't like wind they it drives them crazy any cat owners out there will know this they run up trees and do all sorts of crazy things when the rain is about so what i had to do was to go and look for him and i got up in the morning see if he'd come home overnight he hadn't uh, I couldn't tell if he'd been eating food or not because there was food out which his brother may have eaten or a, a, another cat from the neighbourhood might have come and helped themselves to illicitly I might add. So I had to go and look for him. And it was raining heavily and I went out and I went right down the logging trail into the woods near uh, near my house at the back. I went right the way up to the logging trail to the top where the logging lorries turn around and come back again. I called his name. I made nice cat noises. I looked everywhere. I looked in holes and crevices and ditches. I looked behind trees. I looked way into the hillside to see if I could see him. I couldn't. I came home. I stood outside and I called his name five or six times. I came indoors to make a cup of tea. I made the tea and put it on the kitchen table and then went out again to see if he'd come to my recent calling in case he was coming a long way away. I was walking across the deck to where there are three steps leading down to the lower deck, and before I knew it, I had fallen. I'd slipped on the wet because it hadn't rained for some time. The top step was very wet. I fell. I say I fell. It all happened so quickly I didn't know. One minute, I was standing on the top of the steps, And I was looking in the distance to see if I could see Ruskin the cat. And the next minute, I was in the worst pain I've ever had in my life. I've been around for a long time and I've not had pain like this before. I was on my back on the steps, which meant the three edges of the wooden steps had each made contact with my back in different places. One of them had got me right across the lower back. One of them had got me across the middle of my spine, just below the ribcage, and the other one had caught me bang in the middle of my ribcage. It was intense pain. It was the only time in my life I've actually cried out in pain. I yelped. I didn't know what had happened. I couldn't put the sequence of things together to work out exactly what had taken place. All I knew is I had been standing on the top of the step, And now I was in agony, lying on the steps. Uh, Obviously, you know, if you have a fall and you land on your back badly, you can do yourself terrible damage. And a lot of people in that position find themselves unable to get up. I did get up. I was in so much pain, I can't tell you. I couldn't catch my breath. I was in an awful state. I struggled back up the steps. I struggled through the back door. I struggled to a chair and sat down and that was almost as bad as falling down because obviously the back was still in pain i sat there for a few minutes i reached out for the cup of tea and then ruskin the cat walked in the back door um whether it heard the noise of me screaming out i don't know but he'd, he'd chosen his moment well and came in with his tail raised in one of those big question mark shapes and always well now I did have problems I'm I'm generally against taking uh, painkillers partly because both of the common painkillers do terrible things to me if I take paracetamol it gives me mouth ulcers I take them and oh the next morning I wake up with mouth ulcers and the mouth ulcers take days to go away so I, I tend not to take them um I've tried doing things like eating um, you know, something oily, first of all, so it coats your tongue, and you know, but it doesn't help. They give me mouth ulcers. I think it's something systemic they do, rather than something about their actual contact with the mouth. And if I take ibuprofen, I get terrible indigestion for days. So I tend not to take these painkillers. But on this occasion, I did take two paracetamol, uh, and they didn't do much to it. I went to bed that night in agony, I couldn't lay on my back, I couldn't set my back, I slept. Uh, Three or four days later it was feeling better. Now it's absolutely fine. I was very lucky, I could have broken my back, I could have done damage to my, I could have broken ribs, I could have damaged my spine, I could have done all sorts of terrible things, but I didn't. And I put it down to the fact that I spent a lot of time looking after my back. I do lots of exercises to make sure my back is good, I'm constantly gardening all summer and carrying around water cans one in each hand 10 gallon watering cans just get get your arm muscles and your butt muscles good in the winter i hold two big bags full of logs that i'm bringing in and bring into the house and carry upstairs so i think my back muscles and my arm muscles and my shoulder muscles were good enough to sustain me through this fall and get themselves back into shape a little bit so what have i done about that well i have done something to the steps i have rubbed the steps down with sandpaper because it was the rain on the dust of the summer that was there i painted them with some kind of varnish and then i put sand all over the varnish and the sand stuck to the varnish it looked so awful that i had to give it a coat of white paint over the top so the three steps are white now but the sand is still working and i can Actually, go out there and try and fall off the steps now, and it doesn 't work anymore so again that 's taking care of me and anyone else, so they don 't fall down the steps and it 's taking care of the steps by making them um, safer and i 'm going to continue to redo that and resand them every year to make sure the same thing doesn 't happen that 's another important thing when things go wrong, try and analyze why they 've gone wrong and go back and do something about it you don't have to do something complicated you don't have to get an expert in usually you can figure out what to do yourself and you can do it okay i'm going to wind up for today thank you very much for listening and if you know anyone that's interested please let them know about the podcast i don't get a lot of time on social media in the summer months so i rely on you people to spread the word for me our next episode is going to be a end of season spectacular i will get all my cats together for that one um and i'm going to round off the series and i'm then going to take a break until summer is there and harvest is over and the bulk of the canning is done and the firewood's all stacked and then i will be back with you sometime in september for series two of radical simple living Um, in the meantime you can listen to as many back episodes as you like they cover all aspects of simple living um, from the philosophical to the very practical like how to not fall down a set of stairs so i look forward to hearing you for that last episode which i will try and get up in the next few days that's all for now thank you very much for listening it's been a joy to talk with you